A podcast of the cinema, we're back. Yes. If you've never listened to us before, you didn't know that we were gone for a while. Yes. But we were gone for a while. We have. And now we're back. So let's reintroduce ourselves. You're Alonzo Duralde. Yes. You are the film critic. You're the you're the big... I'm the you're chief the, U.S. The, film critic. You're the BMOC. Please, no. On the film Verdict. Yes. You're the chief U.S. film critic. Correct. For... The film verdict.com, which I'm also probably the only U.S. Critic. You might be. <laughs> so I'm that the is chief possible. of the me. Uh, <laughs> and you are Dave White. And I'm making a pot roast. Yes. But in it, that's part, only part of your credentials. I also have, I'm you also a film critic. A film critic. Currently without a, a, a venue. Without <laughs> portfolio. Except for, except for this one. No, I have a deep portfolio. That's true. But I, uh, uh, I used to write for The Wrap. Yes. And ain't nobody been offering me anything for the rap lately. So before that, for, for movies.com and all kinds See of See what happens when, you're, when your editor quits and a new editor comes in and then there's like suddenly no, uh, no work. A lot of my freelancers are telling me they are not hearing from the rap these days, but that's up to the rap and not my problem anymore. Yeah. Uh, we are delighted to have with us Fred we have the a, show. We have a guest. And before we... Off-referenced and occasionally included... Yes. It's a, okay, back up just a bit before we introduce the guest. We were gone for several weeks mm-hmm. because you were finishing a book deadline. Correct. Please explain what you were doing well, we, we and did. what you have accomplished for the people who are not our Patreon pals. Okay, do you remember that we did a Linoleum Nights episode that went to everyone? And we oh, explained right. all of this. We did that. So if you're on we our feed here, go back to our Linoleum Nights episode that we posted to the general public where we spent an entire hour talking about the book. More like 40 minutes. And Fine. I, uh, uh, it evaporated right out of my head yes. that we had done so that. They know, they know we don't talking. have to get into right. it. What we can say, though, is we have a lot of catching up to do. And this oh, is... I've got a long, long, yeah. long list of films that... We have seen right, in the interim discussed. and not discussed on this podcast yet. So here's how that's going to work. We're going to pop through about four, maybe five at a time while we catch up on some of your letters. Yes. And there will be you know multiple episodes. We're going to actually be doing like more than one a week right. until we get ourselves caught up while to also, the current release. While also trying not to fall further behind. And, you know, keeping the current releases. The That's what I'm saying. As well. yes. Yeah. So, um, you were about to introduce our special guest who is here for a very specific reason. Yes. And that specific reason is the writer's strike. <laughs> the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, is on strike. And... We support this. And our friend and neighbor, Gary Cotty, is an assistant director in films and television. Most notably, the film God's Country, which is new on 
like streaming or DVD or something, right? Is that true? In Europe. It just dropped in Europe. Oh, it didn't drop in the United so, States. No, it is. That, it, no, it's been, in, it's been out on the United, in the United States where oh, now. I was confused. That's all right. Because you told me the other day, oh, it's new blah, blah somewhere. It's, I, I, I thought that meant here. I amplified the director's I message. See. I saw uh, it in the cinema. We, we do have listeners in Europe, so you know, yeah, you can you know you can if you are a European listener, um, you we can got you can see the film God's Country, uh, starring Tandy Way Newton yeah. on on VOD. And if you are in the United States, you can stream it at AMC Plus or rent it in the places where you rent movies. And you should. So because of the strike. Gary has time on his hands. Gary's got a little time on his hands and uh, has been uh, going to movies with us. Going to movies with us. And you just also bought. Well, I am now, I've been nominated uh, for membership membership in in the AMC Stubbs A-list program. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I would like to be, uh, makes you want to treat me with a little more respect now, doesn't it? Only, only real cinema explorers and adventurers get get nominated for membership in the AMC A-plus Stubbs uh, crew. Here's the thing. Yes. Uh, I'm probably going to be out of work for a couple months. Who knows? And... This I've got a pot roast for you this thank, afternoon. I'm psyched. <laughs> uh, it's already smelling good in here. It too. is. This is not a plug for this program. Yeah. But here's the deal. $24, $24.99 a month. It's and you can see three movies a week. And so if you see three movies a week for a month, you're seeing a movie for two dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dazzling images on a huge silver screen. <laughs> Sound that you can feel. feel. Yeah. Our, Our heroes, heroes something, theme. something. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't you know it yet? It's been so long. I, I kind of have to be hearing it to totally know it. I got a welcome letter from Nicole Kidman in the mail after I signed when up. The, I didn't get one of those. When we, um, when we went to see Love Again. You guys. You, you I'd saw, already seen you it. You had already seen it, and you talked about it on Breakfast All Day, but we're going to talk about it on this. We're going to talk about it on this episode today. Um. The, we had, you and I, Alonzo, had been wearing uh, masks to the cinema yes. um, consistently until you finished the book. Yeah. Because in the back of my head was, all right, like almost nobody's wearing a mask in the movie theater anymore, but. Now is especially not the time to a, get sick. Yeah, <laughs> now is especially not the time for you to get COVID because you have a book deadline. Yeah. And so we kept doing it until the, the book deadline yeah. was happening. Just. To be extra careful. Yeah. And I'll still wear it in like a real packed house, like the press screening for Fast X, for right. instance. And, but I uh, had been wearing mine consistently, including the times that I had been to see movies with a uh, friend and neighbor, Gary Cotty. And you knew that in week three of Love Again, <laughs> there was not going to be a crowd. Well, the, the book was done. That too. The book was done, so I went to my very first film without a mask. I went to see Love Again. Yeah. And when Ms. Kidman hit the screen, I demonstrated to Gary a thing that I could do, a special trick, a special talent that I have, which is... Knowing all the words. I have memorized every single word of the Nicole Kidman AMC movie theater ad. And, and I, I turned my head to Gary, 
and I, I lip sync. Well, to be clear, I, I, I leaned for your in, life. I leaned in to tell you something, yes. like some dumb joke or whatever, yeah. and I saw you moving your mouth. Yeah. And I looked at you and I went, What's going on? And you and, and you learned. And and you just kept going and I was like You learned. Oh, he is he's lip syncing for his life. He's as Alan Fawcett used to host, he was putting on the lips. Yes. Anybody remember that <laughs> yes. show? Yes. For originality, a perfect score of thirty. Yeah. Was it lips or hits? Oh, he was putting on the hits. You're absolutely right. I like putting, put, on, the, putting I like, on the lips. I like putting it on the lips <laughs> myself. Every morning I wake up and I'm putting on the lips. Um, and when it was over, I said, this time out loud in my own speaking voice, now you know what I've been doing under my mask this whole time. <laughs> AMC, we make movies better. <laughs> Don't forget to visit the candy bar. Sadly... It is no longer a Pacific Theaters chain right. no. at the Grove. So you do not have the, the ticket kiosk. The robotic Australian voice. At the uh, New Zealand. Yeah, 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 true. Don't forget to visit the, the kindy bar. The, the kindy bar. Um, I will say that every time Nicole Kidman is done. <laughs> because don't forget to visit the candy bar is just as important as because in here. They are. They are. They are. <laughs> I still don't know why she didn't wear that gray suit to the Oscars this she year. She should have. She should have. Yeah. Somebody, somebody on her team made a real mistake in, in not pushing that. She was clearly mortified whenever Kimmel would bring the subject up. So I, I, I don't know how much of a sense of humor she has about her status. Oh, as, she does. As the She's lit, doing another one. As the liturgical, I think she already did one. Yeah, right? as the one. liturgical chairperson of AMC. When does the new one drop? I, I don't, and will it replace the one we have? I don't want the new one. I want this one every time. And I'm going to tell you, I still get emotional when I see it. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, as, as I pointed out to Gary, when we saw Bros, it's one of the few acknowledgments in the world that there was a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. We've all just decided that never happened and we're never talking about it. And the Ex- AMC intro is a reminder that we weren't going to movie theaters for a very long time and that it's a special thing and that it's exciting to have that back. I like it when she has that what movie will I see face when she walks down the numbered hallway. She's <laughs> she, like so many choices. She's going to jump from house to house. Yeah. Well, she clearly sneaking, does. Sneaking she into sees stuff like four different movies. Yeah, she sees right. the Jurassic whatever. Jurassic she sees World, Wonder Woman, some kind La of La La Land. One of the creeds. She sees a creed. Yeah. 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 It was a quadruple feature that day. Yeah. For Nick. She's jumping around and yet always <laughs> alone in the theater. Well, wow. she buys the whole house for herself to be away from the peasants. I suppose so. <laughs> I come to this place to be alone for, for a minute. For privacy. Um, all right, so here's what happened. Um, Gary, you saw four films. I sure did. With us. You saw Love Again mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. You saw Are You There, God? It's Margaret with me. It's, me, it's Margaret. me, Margaret. It's a me, Margaret. What did I say? You just said it's Margaret. You Are You There, me. God? It's me, Margaret. You saw that with me. And me. And you were with us, On too. On my birthday. Hello. Yeah. Wow. Shh. And then, uh, and then we saw Fast X. You saw Fast X with me, yes. Because okay, Alonzo had already been oh to see God. Fast X and Love Again to the press screen. Forward. And then all three of us watched Le Mencita. Yes, the Italian film. Incred- incredible. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about them all. Mm-hmm. First one up. And spoiler. 
for two of the people on this podcast, one of these movies is the best film of 2023 so far. Sure. I know who and I know what films. I got to keep them tuned in. We're going to we're going to let everybody know what those are as we continue down the road. Yes. Love again is not one of the best <laughs> films of 2023 so far. No. But however, it was one of the most enjoyable times in the theater that I had in 2023 so far because you are allowed to talk and make fun of this movie because it's bananas. I, I wish I had seen it with you guys because I had to go on the opening. Here, here's how it here's how it played out. Film Verdict says, we want to review. So I'm asking Sony, okay, great. When are the screenings? Let me know. Crickets, silence, nothing. Finally, we're going to have a screening Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on the Sony lot. Yep. Mind you, this is the same Thursday where I bought a ticket to see this movie at five o'clock yeah so that's how late they were they were showing it to the press and how like not wanting the press to watch it they were so i didn't bother going at 9 a.m i just bought a ticket and went to the grove with my stubs membership and saw it at five and because i was seeing it on you know with the eager hardcore opening day crowd (laughs) there was a part where i wanted to very loudly snicker out loud but i restrained myself because i'm not going to be that guy Who's going to yuck other people's yums? Well, there was basically no one in our theater. That's how I would have liked to have seen it. So and my we were could have all gone the way down front. Mm-hmm. So any mild yuck, yucking, uh, yuck, yuck. Uh-huh. We didn't Y-U-C-K. Right. We Y-U-K. Yes. Different. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one heard whatever we were doing. Yes. Because we were far away from all of them. Um, we had respect. I will for, now respect explain... For the what this movie is. Good luck. Uh, based on the German film SMS for Dick, which I don't understand, but whatever. Well, Some... SMS is, is the, what, like, that's what the what the texting is called. Like, oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. This is the uh, English language version uh-huh. of this film. It is... I'm using air quotes uh, here. An American uh, <laughs> film. Starring London as New York City. And starring all British people as Americans. Yes. Except, Except for, for Nick Jonas. The Scottish guy who also is trying to sound American. It's very confusing. I, I, I have a theory about that, but we'll get to it. In a all right. Directed by James C. Strauss, whose earlier films have included Grace is Gone from 2007 with John Cusack. Here's what happens in the movie. You got two people. You got Priyanka Chopra Jonas as a children's book illustrator and author. And she has lost her the love of her life. He was run over by a car. And you experience this uh, in the opening three minutes of the film. Uh, he walks out of the cafe where they are meeting. And you hear a crash and and her face registers almost nothing um all you see on screen is her face while you hear this happening yeah cut to a blank screen two years later she's still that's where my snicker was happening on the first three minutes now we know what kind of personal laws are i'm sorry (laughs) it was 
it's one. It is one thing for a movie to like have a big thing happen off screen, either to save money or for dramatic impact or whatever. But to hold on an actress who is supposed to be registering the utter horror of seeing the love of her life killed in a car accident, I'm going to suggest that based on this particular close up, Priyanka Chopra Jonas is not the actress to give us all of that. Perhaps not. He was real hot too. The dead. The dead. The dead Beyonce. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, that's that's uh, my professional film critic assessment. R. R. N. Z. Kenne is his name. He was in "I'm Your Woman," the uh, okay. the Julia Hart movie with um, Rachel Brosnahan. Two years later, she is still deep in grief. She has moved back into her parents' home, and her publisher is saying, "Hey, man, uh, you're we, way overdue for we this. We need book. a children's book that is not about mourning. We need, yeah, we. It's, she draws a series of children's books that are about it's about this little caterpillar, yeah." And um, and he's like a he's like a a, a, a grumpy caterpillar. Like he's or too stubborn to become stubborn a butterfly. Cater- or something. He's too stubborn to become a butterfly, and now he's deep in grief. And so that's all she's drawing is this caterpillar who's sad, cry- sad, crying, sad caterpillar. Meanwhile, oh in the same city of New York, Manhattan, United States, London, <laughs> the UK. <laughs> There's a dude played by Sam. How do you say his last name? Huygen uh, or Hugen? It's he's no, a Scottish the G actor. G is not pronounced. It's like it's like Hewen. Hewen. Hoyen. Hewen. All right. Uh, I'm, I apologize to that man for not knowing who he is. He's on a show that everyone thinks is good, and that he's apparently uh, uh, a dreamboat. He on. is a show. He's on a show called Outlander that you've either never heard of or are likely obsessed with. I do not know if he is a good actor because there is no telling what's going on from this film, uh, what he can do. Yes, you, you mentioned earlier his his accent work, and my theory is he started the movie being an American character. Midway through, they realized that's not working, and so then they shot a scene later in which it is established that he is indeed Scottish, but his actual Scottish burr comes and goes in waves over the course of Love Again. For the first 10 minutes, I, I, I thought, are you... Who, where are you from? And then the guy who plays his editor, he he works for a newspaper. Yeah. He's a music critic, a music journalist. <laughs> you can tell because he, you can tell he's a music journalist because he always has headphones around his neck. He does. Big annoying red headphones. He also wears at one point in the film a Pixies t-shirt. Mm. And in his apartment, uh uh, is a poster for the Scottish indie band, The Vaselines. And this person um, has never been to an opera until the course of this film. I'm going to guess that this person has never been to a Vaselines concert. <laughs> Just a, it's a hunch that well, I have. He is working in the most underpopulated newspaper office in the history of New York journalism. The are, New York Chronicle. Mm. There are only two other employees besides the angry editor. Yes. Uh, and that uh, one of those employees is Russell Tovey. Doing a really crazy American He's accent. He's doing Ewan McGregor's American accent. <laughs> Do it. Do the cocktails on Saturday. Let's go get cocktails on Saturday. Yeah, that's that's... <laughs> What he sounds Ewan like. McGregor can do a southern accent, but if you don't get specific with Ewan McGregor, he just does American, right. which is nothing. Here's what's good about Russell Tovey. He's a, a, a good actor, and once he has to play American characters, 
More? He's going to get it. I think so. He's going to yeah, get he it. He plays it kind of like wide-eyed. Like yeah. There's a little bit of like Groucho Marx in his character, I, I feel like. I appreciated also uh, that he his character was gay. Yes. And horny. Yes. And having more sex than anybody in the film, which is Huzzah. wonderful. Um, his co-worker... Uh, 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 Lydia West. Lydia West, also doing an American accent, was Russell Tovey's co-star... On Years on, and Years. On the TV series Years and Years. Yes. She played the character who wanted to become, like, cyber. Yeah. Celia Imri plays Priyanka Chopra's... Uh, publisher. Publisher. Also British. I believe also doing an American accent. I think, yeah. She's in the, like, the exotic Marigold movies. Right. And, obviously, Priyanka Chopra, uh, who's... I don't know where her accent is from uh, at this point in life, and I don't know. It's she, her accent is international superstar. Yeah, pretty much. So, like, the one person who is not having to put on any kind of different uh, dialect is Priyanka Chopra Jonas's husband, Nick Jonas, who yes. comes in for a little cameo and is funny. And I'm going to say this: underused. Well, yeah, he's only in one scene. And I feel like they could have put him in the New York Chronicle as well office to, <laughs> pun- to punch it up. Yeah. So then there uh, would have been four people in the office, Gary, and that's unheard of. Unheard of for a newsman. There was a receptionist desk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a newspaper where nothing matters, and Clearly. no writing is ever being accomplished. And and when and when you do write something, you can just get it immediately published without anybody else looking at it. Basically, yeah. All right. So Dude has been assigned a big interview with Celine Dion. He goes to the Celine Dion press conference. By the way, for her tour, that is not... That she, does, that she doesn't do anymore. Even remotely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I think when this film was made, we had not yet oh, okay. That's possible. Uh, that, that she uh, is not going to be touring. But, However, uh, all of her sh- all of her scenes are filmed inside of her house in Las Vegas. That that is correct. Yes, they are because her only scenes are privately speaking to journalist dude, and one point doing a sound check uh, at the Barclays in Center. a place that's allegedly the Barclays Center. Yeah. Um, but here's what's great about the presence of actual Celine Dion in this film. She has all the time in the world because she is a licensed professional counselor <laughs> to conduct extensive behavioral, cognitive behavioral therapy sessions with <laughs> journalism, dude. And she's real into tough love because every time he says something to her, she says, you don't know what you're talking about. You are not a man. You're, you're not a man. Know, you don't know about love. You don't know about love. Come back when you're a man. That's the best line in the movie. Come back when you're a man. It's like, tell him, Celine. That bur- it, burn him. That is the best line in the movie. Yeah. I kind of wish she'd started a conversation by saying, hey, let's talk about love. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. We have buried the lead here, which is the high concept premise of this film. Oh, yeah. that does. It's like oh. when you talk about this movie, that doesn't even matter. <laughs> because there's too many other things to critique, that are cuckoo make fun of, question... Well, right. the, the the premise is worth pointing out because it yes. is one that I know well because. as a viewer of the Hallmark Channel. Mm. Yeah. They've done it at least a couple of times. Um, 
basically your 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 central story is bereft woman misses her dead spouse fiance boyfriend um begins communicating with him by sending texts to his old number unbeknownst to her someone else now has his old number right sometimes it's someone she hasn't met yet sometimes it's someone she has already met in other circumstances eventually text receiver figures out who she is falls for her then what's going to happen after she falls for him but then he has to tell her or she's going to discover that, that he's a creeper that he's a creeper who's a stalker who's been reading her text yeah. so it's like shop around the corner but gross <laughs> pretty pretty much <laughs> um and that's it that's the movie and that's the movie, that's the movie. Uh, plus Celine Dion plus Celine, plus Dion, Celine Dion who has she's got like six scenes yeah, but all of them are gold. <laughs> yeah, and a post-credit scene. And I need everyone, first of all, I need everyone within the sound of my voice <laughs> to see this film. Because if you took our advice last year and you saw Aileen, oh, this is like... That this movie would have 10% of the nuttiness of Aileen. Um, It does have at least 10 to 30% of the nuttiness of mm-hmm. Aileen, and that's plenty of nuttiness. <laughs> So here's what you do. You start with this one, right? You, you get both of these films back to back. You settle in for the afternoon or the evening. That's a double bill. And you start with this one, and you, 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 you revel in the cozy weirdness of it. And then you watch Aileen. Because Aileen is a film beamed in from outer space. <laughs> this one comes from just weird decisions on everyone's part. But when you see this film, please pay close attention to the shoes that Miss Dion oh, I didn't... is giving in all of her scenes. She Every scene is a new pair of shoes, and they are gorgeous, high-fashion punishment shoes. But she's never standing. She's just sitting. <laughs> so it's fine. Like, hey, check it. Look, I don't, they're not harming me because I'm actually just sitting down. Um, not putting any weight on my no, ankles. No. Also, she's... <sighs> Celine Dion is... I think everyone understands this now at this point in history, that she is one of the globe's best human beings. Like we, I love her. We... <laughs> We come to her for 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 magic. <laughs> we, 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 she is warm, and she's giving that warmth in the film, even when she's insulting the guy. Yeah. She's so negging him the whole time. She's warm and she's kind and she's funny, and you know she's funny because she's always got this look in her face, like, "Can you believe it?" Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because in there they're putting. She is. Yeah, you, they put me in a movie. I have no idea what they well, they put me in this movie. And what's funny about this is that you talk to people who interview celebrities for a living. Yeah, and they have to be very mindful of the oh no, let's talk about you, celebrities, mm-hmm. because what they're doing is they know that you have five minutes in that room with them. Right, and if that celebrity can like judo you into talking about yourself enough, 
There goes the five minutes. Right. I saw Kate Blanchett do that masterfully on an episode of Hot Ones. <laughs> yes, good example. It's like this constant deflection of getting the other the the interviewer to be like so thrilled. Oh, Kate Blanchett wants to know about my life. No, Kate Blanchett does not want to know about your life. Kate Blanchett doesn't feel like telling you about hers, right. and she knows that you have a finite period of time. And so the idea that Celine Dion the entire movie is not giving this interview to get the guy to talk about his own problems, I just kept thinking like you are so. Renee Zellwergering him right now. But then she does tell him all about her life. Near the end of the film, she talks about Renee. Mm. Oh, she mentions Renee like eight times yeah. in this movie. She talks about Renee. And she, she gives him the whole story. So she's really she really does give as much as she receives. Mm, okay. And so it is... Here's what I want. I know that she's currently having you know a, a, a terrible uh, physical time with this neurological uh, disorder that she has. What if she just started being in movies now? Like I would see every single one of them. Yeah, of course, of course you would. Yes. yes, because she's an untapped cinematic treasure. I firmly believe this because this movie is stupid and bad and dumb. And in the first scene she's in, she's mean. And in the first scene she's in, she's mean and and it is a perfection. <laughs> so I am wholeheartedly into the idea of everybody watching this movie, this bad movie. I'm telling you, it is a bad movie, but worth it. I suggest a triple feature, actually. Oh, oh. Start, all right. Start with this one. Okay. Then Aileen. Yes. Then finish off the day with Celine through the eyes of the world uh, yeah, from yeah, 2010, which yeah. you can rent on Amazon. Yeah, yeah that's the documentary YouTube. where you because, really learn what a weirdo she is. Oh, yeah. God. She <laughs> loves to mug for the camera mm. in her off moments. It's delicious. <laughs> I texted a friend and I said, and this is basically can sum up the whole movie. I said, I just saw that Celine Dion romantic comedy where two idiots text each other but can't get it together till Celine Dion gives them advice. It's bananas. Friend responds, what kind of plot is this? Does Celine Dion play a counselor of sorts or does she just play herself? And my response was, how about both? How about both? (laughs) Uh, Let's also talk about the product placement in this film, which involves uh, 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 Lowe's and uh, uh, Skittles, tropical Skittles. Oh, Skittles, yes. There's so much Skittles in this movie. Um, and uh, what, is, what was the other food? Pop-Tarts and... Uh, I'm blanking. And they the had to one. go to Harrods to buy all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, are, a, uh, they had that in the budget. They yeah, didn't have sure. budget for anything else, but yeah. There are two good cinematic moments in this movie. There are. First, first moment is when Priyanka Chopra Jonas and Hoyen, Huyen, Huyen. Guy and girl finally meet each other and talk in person at the end of an opera. And all of the extras kind of fade away. Her entrance. Her entrance. Yes. They all just kind of fade away. And so it's just the two of them having a moment. And then when that moment's over, all the extras come kind of back in. Which is cool. And her entrance in that yellow dress. She is, looks incredible. It's like, oh, hi. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think she lucked out too because, or not lucked out, or maybe maybe she wanted to make this a plot point or not because she wears comfortable sneakers the whole movie. Yeah, even as, in the great As dress. like a character piece. And yeah. I was like, 
Like, you know. They have nothing in common other than they both like sneakers and putting french fries on their burgers. But like... Oh, yeah. And listen, this is one of those to, movies that the french fries on the burgers, that's how you know they the, are meant to be soulmates. Right. But, you know, a lot of a lot of high fashion shoes are not comfortable. So, you know, Priyanka was like, how that's about my... That's why Selena's sitting down. How about my character wears big comfy sneakers or, the whole Or yeah. what if he's a shorty? Oh. That could be true, that. too. Yeah. We never. I don't know. What Everybody's a winner. And then there's another yeah. moment where uh, she has a sort of fantasy conversation with her, the dead, the dead boyfriend, where he sort of lets her go and she lets him go. That's, and it's actually that's like quite moving. Actually. It's, it's yeah. actually a good, you yeah. know, that raises this movie from like a D to a D plus. Yeah. It's, you know, and this is a thing that we, when we talk about book club, the next chapter, we can get into it. These movies that offer you this very late hint of like the sincere, poignant movie they could have been mm-hmm. instead of a hacky comedy. What we talk about when we talk about book club two, <laughs> the next chapter. Moving on to Limencita, yes. an Italian film from uh, Emmanuel Creolese. Creolese. Okay. Uh, he is. A, an Italian uh, trans filmmaker. And this is his, I think it's his fourth uh, movie. Uh, in the early 2000s, I think you may have, if you go to the art houses and you see films from other countries, in an early 2000s film called uh, Respiro that uh, won the grand prize at the Cannes Critics Week. This is like 20 years ago. Yeah, 2002. This is his sixth feature. This is his sixth film. Okay, so anyway, uh, it stars Penelope Cruz. Uh, as the mother of three children, it is uh, set in Italy in the early to mid-1970s. Her oldest child is a transgender boy named uh, Andrea. And he is played uh, by Luana Giuliani. And he refers to himself as Andrea in the, in the film. And that, that translates in the English subtitles to Andrew. Because it's the early 1970s and trans visibility was more rare and people didn't have the kind of language they have to talk about it in 2023, uh, this confuses his family and everyone else in the family uh, refers to him as Adriana, which was his birth name. So the movie's told from the point of view of Andrea, and it's kind of about him because he's it's through his eyes Mm. but it's also about the specifics of the family dynamic in the house this is apparently an autobiographical it is it is it is in his words he i read an interview with him where he Mm. said this isn't exactly what happened in my family but it is inspired by my family and and it's it's it in that way it is autobiographical so it's an unhappy home the parents relationship is a bad one the other two kids in the family have taken on roles that children take on in dysfunctional homes. Like one of them is sort of a troublemaker and the the littlest one is this definite sort of peacemaking child who's like, everyone stop fighting and I'm, you hug each other and say you love each other, that kind of stuff. Um, but the heart of the movie is this relationship between this boy and his mom. Uh, and not just him and his mom but like the mom and the kids because the family is is an unhappy family because the husband is such a dick Mm. um 
the the mom devotes all of her attention to the kids and because she's Penelope Cruz to looking extremely glamorous yes it's un- it's unbelievable it, it, I, I'm going to say that it's not unbelievable because she looks this way in every film she's in. Just, all right. It's, 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 okay, not unbelievable. It's mind-blowing. And there's shots. I yeah. went back and watched the trailer after we watched it. Right. And there's, it reminded me there's so many shots where um, uh, and Andrea? Andrea. Andrea is looking at Penelope Cruz in this sort of like just glamorous, loving way. Like, right. Like, Andrea adores their mother, and it's like, it's it's beautiful. Well, yeah, it's Penelope yeah. Cruz who is already gorgeous, but <laughs> in the style of early seventies Italy. Oh, right. Where as you love to point out, everything looked amazing. Everything this. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so the, the 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 core of this movie is this this very powerfully loving and protective relationship between the mom and the kids, and it is manifested in lots of singing and dancing. So you're not expecting this to be a musical film, but then it's kind of a musical film where at some, at, in some places, like the mom and the kids are just singing along or lip-syncing a song while they set the table. Um, and then in other situations, the movie sort of stops. The movie stops and becomes fantasy sequences in the imagination of uh, Andrea, and and what sequences they are, whether oh. they are meant to be re- reality or meant to be fantasy, they are like bursting with life yeah. and and so much joy and pleasure, and you know that life is not always going to be great. For this family, but they're going to take care of each other. And I said this when we were on press play on KCRW uh, a couple weeks ago. One of the pleasures of being married to another film critic is watching him be very happy while watching a movie. And you in particular, Alonzo Duralde, when, uh, when you are really feeling a movie... Um, you just, I can, I can feel your vibrations <laughs> next to me. Uh, this is my favorite movie of 2023. Too. It is very cool to experience that with you. It's also very distracting, but it is <laughs> very cool. There's a whole lovely subplot also where like across the street from their high rise apartment building, there's this thicket of, of reeds. And on the other end of that, there's this encampment of these laborers who've set up shacks and whatnot. And there's a girl there that uh, Andrea falls for and she falls for him. And when he sort of makes his way through the reeds and is in that space, everyone there treats him like a boy. Everyone there understands that he is a boy. And so it's this place where he can get away from the judgmental eyes of like his parents' friends, of relatives, all that stuff. And it's just, it, it is this lovely, you know, kind of metaphorical thing of like finding your place and finding, you know, where you get to be the most yourself. The other thing about it, uh, the visual element of it, uh, every time we go to Atlanta, at least one night when we were there is slides night. Mm-hmm. And we get to watch fam- Duralde family slides from the 60s and 70s. And some of them all the way back to the 50s. Yeah. Um, 
and into the 80s. Like there's four decades worth of slides in this family and there's a million boxes of them. So I'm always seeing ones I've never seen before. And watching this movie was well, like watching Slides Night at your family's house <laughs> because it just all looks like that. And because uh, Italy, uh, let's just say it, Italy and Spain, why are you different countries? You just have two different languages. <laughs> you just have two different languages, and they sound kind of the same. So, like, distractingly so. Yeah. Trust me, they they don't very often. I get fooled all the time thinking well, I yeah. know what's going on. I've, and then I I've never seen Penelope Cruz in an Italian movie, right? And so, and she speaks like all the languages. And naively, yeah. we paused it ten minutes, and I said, "Wait, where are we? where are we? <laughs> what language are they speaking? Because it doesn't sound like Spanish." Yeah, she right. is, she is playing a woman clearly who is Spanish and who married an Italian. Yeah, because there are moments where she herself stumbles over yeah. the vocabulary and like will say the word in Spanish and then say it in Italian. Like, okay, I get it. That's right, right. She is playing a superwoman. It is such a beautiful film. Yeah, um, like all around, it's deeply emotional. And um, if you are uh, a queer person, I'm speaking specifically to my to our queer friends, if you are a queer person who is uh, uh, overwhelmed sometimes by queer film narrative being all about trauma, this movie is about love and caring and protection and good people being good to each other, except for the dad who's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I love it. It's really also about it. fantastic clothes. Playing at the Royal in Los Angeles right now, and I would love to go see it on a big screen because we watched Ooh, it on a TV screen. That would be awesome. Yeah. I have nothing sarcastic or goofy to say about this movie. No, you don't. I understand that's why sometimes I'm here. Every I have day. no I have no business critiquing films for an audience <laughs> at all. I'm here for color. Uh, so I have none of that to say about this movie. And I want to see it again on a on a big screen because I loved it. Let's all go let's again this. Happen. Let's go this week. Also, oh, you're I this I, week. Yeah. I, beca- <laughs> I became obsessed with a song that is used early on every called, day oh. on our way to Water Fitness. Gary comes and picks me up. We go to Water Fitness together, and every day the car is 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 bumping to uh, Italian uh, disco hit "Rumore", Rumore by Raffaella Cara Cara. Yeah. Who uh, I had never heard this or of her anymore. I did a deep dive. She is incredible. She's incredible. Um, yeah. I would, I wished she adopted me. <laughs> uh, uh, I am obsessed with another song from this movie <laughs> whose title I cannot pronounce. No one can pronounce but, it. But, uh, you know, the it, its performance it's a- on an Italian variety show sort of was making the rounds. Periodically, people come up and make the rounds on the internet, and they recreate that number in the film in one of the fantasy sequences, and my head exploded. <laughs> While we were watching it, when this fantasy sequence begins, like a lot of almost kind of like almost kind of like in Love Again, where all the extras walk kind of walk away. Yeah. Uh, all of these people in this one specific room start to walk away, and you know, a, a film savvy viewer like Alonzo Duralde can can tell that something magical is about to happen, and Alonzo burst out, "Ho ho ho! Here we go!" <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you know that it was a wonderful movie. Um, and then we all saw, "Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret," mm-hmm. on Alonzo's birthday. 
there's kind of a theme, uh, I think, for my birthdays of late, where we revisit a certain kind of uh, girl slanted kid lit film adaptation. Mm, yeah. One year, a theater here in Los Angeles was doing a repertory screening of the 1970s adaptation of the E.L. Konigsberg novel um, from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basley Frankweiler. Mm hmm. Uh, with Lauren Bacall, uh, we went to see that. Uh, one year around my birthday, the new Beverly. What? With Ingrid Bergman. Ingrid Bergman, right, sorry. There was a later made-for-TV version with Lauren Bacall, <laughs> which I've also seen. What are you talking about? Sorry, yes, okay. this was the, the original one, the <laughs> yeah, Ingrid yeah. Bergman one. All right. Uh, then one year, the new Beverly, uh, for their kid matinee series, on the day of my birthday, was showing uh, the 1993 The Secret Garden, which is a movie that I adore. Uh, so it just felt of a piece to make this year's birthday jaunt. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Right. Talk about it. So this is an adaptation of the beloved novel by Judy Bloom. Um, it is the film is set in 1970, which is when the book first came out. Yes. I don't know what year the book first came. Yeah, out. Yeah, it came out in the 70s. The movie yeah. is set in in 70. Uh, it is about a 12-year-old girl named Margaret. Uh, she returns home from summer camp to find out that her parents are moving the family from the uh, from New York City out to the suburbs of New Jersey. While Margaret is trying to adjust to uh, the change in her life, in uh, you know she's entering the sixth grade. Uh, it's not just about that change in her life, but also the pressure of when am I going to develop as a woman? When am I going to get my first period? When am I going to, um, you know, grow breasts? All of these things that other people in her class are excited about and talking about, but at the same time, very judgmental of the one girl in class who is way ahead of them on that front. Um, <laughs> you know, dealing with first crushes, dealing with... Um, you know, uh, her, her, her family history in terms of the fact that her father is Jewish, her mother is from a Christian family. So the kind of Christian family that basically disowned her when she married a Jewish man. Right. Um, and so the parents have been very much like, we're not going to force religion upon you. When you are old enough, you can figure it out for yourself. Her teacher, played by Echo Kellum from Grand Crew, basically gives her a year-long assignment to investigate religion and figure out what it means to her so that's part of the backdrop but it's just this really lovely coming of age story and you know figuring out who your friends really are and how to be with other people and what's happening to you and all the confusing you know hormonal things of that time of your life i loved it it yeah, is, this, is, this is your favorite movie it is of the year my so favorite movie of 2023 so far tell me why it's in my top 10 uh, well, one of the things, here's the thing about that book is I've read Judy Bloom books before. Yes. Uh, when I was in, uh, you know, elementary school, junior high, I recently last summer read then again, maybe I won't, which is yeah. a great book. Uh, and so there's always that page where it's like other books by Judy Bloom. And there's that one, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret, which I knew as an elementary school kid was about girls and puberty. So it was like, right. well, I don't need to read this. Right. So I didn't really know anything else about this movie except for the, except for the puberty stuff. So I naively was surprised when a lot of the movie was about religion. Yep. And that is stupid of me because the word <laughs> God is in the title of this movie. <laughs> I am a dumb person. 
but still, they allowed me into the AMC Stubbs A-list well, membership. You know, yeah. they'll take they, anybody. They, they, no, they, <laughs> criteria have to be yeah. met. Uh, Rachel McAdams is incredible in oh, this movie. She's so good. As she a is. Mom. She is so natural and understanding. She made me cry. I'm pretty sure twice. Uh, she's so great. Uh, the the young woman who plays Margaret, whose name I forget, Abby Ryder Fortson, is incredible in this movie. Uh, this was actually, written and directed by Kelly Freeman Craig, who did Edge of Seventeen. Yes, all of the child actors in this movie are incredible. Like, yeah. there's not a bad one. Like, they are all they're they are all more than competent. Right, child actors. Yeah, and they're all given characters to play. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Even like. The sort of supporting characters that are her friends like have real characters, yes, and and they play them, you know, uh, with, you know, I can't even describe it because they're just so they're, they're so they're, good. They're natural, yes. but they're also charismatic. They don't feel like kid actors. Correct. I think what you're trying to say. Yes, yes. that's exactly. <laughs> and there's a child actor uh, cliche that everyone knows when they see. Yeah, and it's usually reserved for. Disney Channel sitcoms. The, the character, the character, the the girl, the woman on Saturday Night Live would do, where she's like reading the news. Right. You know, that, that Vanessa kind of, Bear. Right. Vanessa Bear. Thank right. you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That sort of thing. We're not getting that here, which yeah. is which is great. The the period detail with a few pretty good minor exceptions yeah. of a few anachronisms that snuck in. A few di- really a few a few, a few dialogue anachronisms, uh, and you know occasional. What was the word I'm looking for? The 1970 of 2023. Yeah. Um, a little bit of that sometimes in costuming and hair and stuff like that. But it, um, it, it was. But nothing sh- super distracting. Yeah, it, it was shot by Tim Ives, uh, who uh, has worked on like Stranger Things, which is also kind of a, a period thing, mainly a TV person. But this often feels like a movie that came out in 1970. Kind of by the just the, you know. the, the 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 way the color is graded that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked the towards the end where you have this three person family, and there's a moment where they sort of kind of they sort of kind of realize that like all of the extended family are driving them all nuts. Yeah, and I liked that idea that you know you don't have to follow exactly what you're grandparents and aunts and uncles want right. you to do and I think right. that I was surprised by that part because again I was just like girls in puberty I'll never read this you know and so there was there's there's so much more to it than just the puberty stuff I read this book in fifth grade because all the girls were reading this in fifth grade and were being real cagey about it <laughs> and I needed to know what was going on yeah it's um yeah I read I read a few Judy Bloom books when I was a kid, specifically because the girls told me I wasn't allowed. Oh, well, yeah, and then. And I thought, um, I'm a future queer person and I will do as I please. Yes. Thank you. Um, the, uh, Did I ever say my. Uh, if you're trying to keep secrets from me and it's in a book, I'm yeah. gonna, you tell me I can't read a book, I'm going to go read the book. To my local library. Yeah. Uh, Did I ever tell you my, my funny Judy Bloom story? No. So, okay. Um, Tom Noonan made What Happened Was, which you caught up with recently. Yes. And then his second film was called The Wife. Yes. Uh, It was a four-person piece. It was him, his then-wife, Karen Young, uh, 
Andre Gregory and I forget who the other actress was. Uh, but the stage play that it was based on was originally called Wifey. Oh, I see. Which is also the name of a Judy Bloom book. Yeah. So he came to Dallas when I was doing the festival to show the wife. And we started the Q&A and I'm being all, you know, kind of jokey. And I said, so why did you uh, change the title from Wifey? Did you get a cease and desist from Judy Bloom?" And there's this pause and he goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. I was just, I was just being goofy. Yeah. You were being serious. There you go. <laughs> Walk, don't run. See, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. Yes, this movie is is disappearing. Oh wait, I, wait. I was so. I. It's run, don't walk. This yes. is why I shouldn't be on these things. Uh, yeah, this movie is disappearing <laughs> from theaters because it is not packing them in, and it is not a summer blockbuster of the. Fast X, Guardians 3, School. Mm. But boy, howdy, it is uh, the best American film I've seen this year, and you should check it out. I liked it very much. Um, I may be a little less enthusiastic than both of you, but that's because both of you are extremely enthusiastic about okay, it. Okay, fine. I, I like it very much. I particularly liked uh, the characterization of the nascent mean girl mm. because... They, they give her an out at the end of the film. Um, she is kind of a mean girl in training. Like, she's kind of testing her skills, right? Sure. On whether or not she's going to become a full-blown mean girl in high school. And, and what I enjoyed best about this character is that she, spoiler, is not punished right. at the end of the film. She is not given a comeuppance. She is, the tables are not turned on her. Instead, what you get is a moment where you see her learning something and understanding something about how to behave, yeah. and how to be a good person. And how much her own insecurity has driven her yeah. behavior. And that is a really lovely and small moment that is easily lost if you're not watching her face mm -hmm. when she's realizing, oh, I don't have to be this. And then it's what happens to her in the future is left ambiguous because you're kind of given this feeling of you could turn out okay now. Yeah. If you if you if you're gonna learn from this moment, you could turn out all right. So much yeah. of our youth is a series of these little trying moments. on personalities and then maybe learning yourself out of it. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever, she sucks. <laughs> I like the nice version of my interpretation, Gary. Uh, and finally, I saved Fast X for last because of two reasons. Uh, we're going to talk after the letters. We're going to write two letters to read. And after we talk about the letters... We need to discuss the movie's big spoiler. Mm. So, obviously, some of you haven't seen this film yet. Christy and I will be doing a full-on spoiler discussion yeah. this Wednesday at noon Pacific. So, we're going to do this thing where we talk about the movie. We're going to read letters. We're going to say goodbye, like we always do. And then we're going to get into some spoilers. Just one spoiler. Yeah. The big spoiler. Okay. The, and you know which one I'm talking I about. I know which one you're talking about. And it is uh, something that I have to discuss. And so 
after we say goodbye, we're going to do that. If you don't want to hear about the spoiler, turn off your podcast when it's time. And we'll tell you when. We'll give you all the guidance that you need. Uh, I'm also going to talk about the physical symptoms I had after this movie. Oh, you can talk about you those can talk about now. that. Oh. Yeah, or the, or the first uh, so here's what I think about Fast X. It's very loud. <laughs> Go uh, on. I, this is my favorite of these movies since Fast Five. It is the first one since <laughs> Fast Five that I would want to watch again because it is. I feel like they have reached that point. In I'm, in, the, I'm agreeing with you about for one reason, but go on and I, I'll I tell you. I feel like what we've reached a point is. in the arc of this where they understand completely how ridiculous this this series is, yeah. and they just own it now. Yeah, and I think part of the reason the reviews have been mixed is because I think for a lot of critics, it's like, how dare you not take this thing so serious? <laughs> this beautiful story of men and their cars and ladies wearing very short shorts. That I've been enjoying for the last fifteen years, Alonzo. This movie is about family. It's it is it is so about family because they're all about. Family. You counted nineteen times. I, I counted nineteen. I can't <laughs> be trusted uh, because, because you can't count. Because I can't count, and, and you were having a nervous. Problem. I was having some cognitive problems <laughs> three quarters of the way through this, and I want to say this. I'm not saying this in a sarcastic like I only like the art cinema and blah 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 because I also we all know that's not true. I'm also ha- I also have cognitive problems during the art cinema movies because I'm not a smart person. One of my favorite moments <laughs> as a spectator in a a film by uh, one of the one of the world's greatest filmmakers, Hu Xiaoshen. Oh yeah, he's awesome. We went to see the Assassin. Which, which I enjoyed. And I took Gary. And halfway through it, he leaned into me. And I've told the story before, but it and, just bears repeating. And why did I say this? We want to explain why I said He leaned into me and he said, I have no idea what's going on. I'm losing my mind. <laughs> and that was that. And I had to whisper it because that movie is real quiet. It's extremely quiet. Yeah. Fast and Furious 10 is not extremely is not, quiet. It's it's incredibly loud Much the opposite. and extremely close or whatever that. <laughs> Robbie, after the movie yesterday, Robbie goes, that was extremely loud and incredibly yeah, close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want halfway through this movie. I had problems. Which just you began to disassociate. I began to disassociate. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't really sure where I was. And I'm I'm literally not being hyperbolic. There was a point where I was like, I think I need to walk out and like look at the sky. And have a minute. Yeah. It is a visual and auditory assault on yeah. your senses yeah, from it's a, start it's a to finish. Yeah. And to the point where when there is not a barrage and people are talking and there's exposition, I could not understand what they were saying or follow along because I was still processing like this giant fireball that's just like going through Rome and all these people that are just sort of like having coffee and they're like, eh. And then like, you know, and Jason Momoa's costumes and all of a sudden we're at a street race in what I look like in Rio. And I was like, where is it? Miami? I don't know. And here's the thing. I have a theory that the, that the, um, the graphics for where you are in the world have to be so big like they take up the whole screen. They're just like, 
Brazil. Right. Because if they didn't do that, you would not know where they you had they have to hit you in the face. But you do know. That's the thing. Like it, <sighs> I do did I there, there's like <laughs> by this point we have several dozen lead characters it feels like and this movie yeah. I think very skillfully lets you know who's where, why, where they're going, where they've been. There are more main characters in this movie than a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. No, my my my, my joke yeah, was yeah. this is this is Avengers Endgame meets Love Actually. Um, and you had not seen the last several films. Right? I have seen one. I have seen two. I saw five twice, mm-hmm. uh, and that's it. Okay. So yeah, that we've had it. They've had it so much lore <laughs> since then that yeah, you. This is a soap opera, that, right. but but not the kind of soap opera where you can tune in months later and the guy's still in jail. This is what you really have to keep up because there's just. Oh, I'm sorry. I saw nine as well. Okay. Because because you're like. I could just imagine if you hadn't been in since like five or six, you're like, wait, Helen Mirren is in these now, you know? Right. They, you know, and, and even in this one, they're still throwing new characters at you. We get Rita Moreno as Grandma Toretto. Oh, she get, hadn't been in earlier nope, ones. Nope, first She's, time. She, and she looked incredible. She did. Uh, <laughs> Brie Larson. This is her first in this, where she's like, uh, you know, involved with the shadowy government agency that you counted all spies. You counted nineteen uh, iterations of the word family in English. I, in I English. counted nineteen. Uh, Piercings, piercings in Brie Larson's ears. Oh, uh, oh. she is both ears like ring, 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 like dangly. This, like this, it, 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 she has more ear jewelry going on than cartilage. Yeah, it's nuts. I don't know what that meant, but it was fun. (laughs) Character choice. I I had a physical problem while watching this movie, and I felt kind of off for the rest of the day. You did seem a little shaken when I saw you. <laughs> I had to. I went home and I shut my eyes for forty-five minutes, and I still just felt. I was having problems with like, like short-term memory. Like, what did I just see? I started doing this weird exercise where I start to try and uh, remember the names of all my elementary school teachers to remind <laughs> myself that my brain is still working and I can remember things. It is. It is an assault. Uh, you know, it's a triumph. Because I mean those that's those movies are hard to make, and after I was done, I was after I was done with the movie. Right. Um, I did revisit that idea that I think that you know there's a whole nother conversation, but uh, stunt coordination should be a category in in the Academy Awards. Like indeed, like what they do in this movie physically, a lot of it's enhanced by you know CGI and visual effects, but they're doing incredible things with their bodies and the fight choreography. And it is incredible to watch and it is a talent. And, you know, I do think it's an art form, but, um, at a certain point, man, but let's talk about Jason Momoa for a moment. That's, that's <laughs> what I was wanting to go to, uh, next. Um, uh, the plot does not matter. Uh, they are, uh, being treated like they're terrorists now and it's all a big, uh, frame up and they have to you know extricate themselves from this and and to even tell you about the arc of it is not it's relevant a, because it ends on a cliffhanger yeah and but what you know and that's not a spoiler because that there's, Jason Momoa's dad got killed in Fast Five and now right. he will have his vengeance yes boom it is a revenge film yeah um and the reason they're all being framed as, as terrorists is because he's doing the framing yeah. um Jason Momoa is one of the best queer villains 
that I have ever seen in a movie. And I love a queer villain. Yeah. I love a treacherous gay. I love a I love a duplicitous bi. <laughs> I love This is the 21st I love wicked century. wickedness. Uh, it's the best. He is Waldo Lydecker in Laura. Yeah. With flowy pastels and nail polish. Every outfit is silky and flowy like he was like I'm just walking into Chico's and getting the most tall version <laughs> of what they have and I'm going to paint my nails to match the clothes and I'm going to put my hair in pigtails if I feel like it with, and I'm with gonna, like with pink scrunchies and I'm going to go ooh sometimes yeah. Yeah. he's an utter sociopath <laughs> and uh, here's the thing in the, you, when you get the flashbacks where they have either integrated him into footage from Fast Five yep. or just reshot things yep. to make him have, him, have been there all along in those scenes he's very glowery and i thought oh no 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 no. we already have vin diesel we don't need any more glowery then dad dies and he's he's free yes and that's a very very good point (laughs) he's sort of like you know these new editorial photos that are going around of chris pine in all these like blouses yeah yeah, he's that. Team Blouse. Yeah, he, Team Blouse. He he grew up on the Brad Pitt in dresses on a beach photo shoots circa fight oh, club. Yeah. And thought that is my personal aesthetic. I um I love And he's legitimately funny. He's really funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh and I was and he is such a, a a lightning bolt of charisma in a sea of people who as much as I enjoy these films, they are very self-serious uh, characters, and and they don't bother emoting all that much. Yeah, like they he, just are doing stunts and and being put in cars. And so he's being a character, and he's so charismatic and so funny and so cool. I was rooting for him by the middle of the movie. I was hundred percent like, destroy all of them. Yes, you should destroy them all. In take your this, in your amazing snakeskin jacket, take or the crime of dullness. <laughs> take this franchise into the stratosphere somewhere else, and you become like the leader of your own like queer car gang. Like we are never told what his sexual orientation is. No. We are only shown that he is fabulous, yeah. right. like nonstop. And it's unlike in the past when queer audiences had to make do with queer villains. Now we have a choice. Yeah. Now we can enjoy all kinds of characters who are queer in all kinds of films, and we get to have our villains again. And our sherbet colored. He is so great at this. <laughs> he is the Maleficent of the Fast and the Furious movies. Thank you. There You're we welcome. Go. That yeah. you just gave the me Cruella de Vil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because they could have kept him in jeans and a tank top. Right. You know, and, and, and be bend on, that uh, character, or like, you, or like, you know, a black on black suit with a black tie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, yeah, no, he's being the anti Vin Diesel in every way possible. Yes. I am curious about how much of that input was his, or the writers, or no, the no. director, no, or no. the costume designer, or it like it all together. came together. They let it and go. He's, and here's the thing: when he is not on, when he is not on the screen, the movie for me was just. Explo- explodey assault at, or also boring yeah. but when he's on the screen it's great there is a scene I don't think this is a spoiler there's a scene where he is painting his nails but conversing with two people that he has killed 
yes. that are just sitting in chairs. Yeah. And the scene <laughs> is, and I, I'd never seen anything like this in the few of these Fast and Furious no, it's movies. Deranged. Yeah. It's and deranged. It's deranged. He's a psychopath. A psychotic yeah, and is, I was yeah. like, this scene's going yeah. on a little longer than I expected it to go on. <laughs> and I'm sure there was a decision like, do we leave this scene in? And oh, like, yes. I hope that Jason Momoa was like, contractually, you got to keep that scene in there. Vin Diesel can't lose a fight. I get all of my shtick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, so, once again, because I love the Fast and Furious movies, I loved this movie. Also, I have more hearing loss today than I had yesterday. <laughs> I have more cognitive problems today than I... This, and y'all could have seen this in IMAX. Well, we, we saw it I in like have, IMAX I would have light. become motion sick, I yeah. think, if I had mm. seen it in, in IMAX. Like, um, legitimately, I get, no, I get it, I get yes, yeah. I will say this going we back. We did see it in a huge we saw it in, Dolby. We saw it in like IMAX light. We saw yeah. it in the big, but, one of the big houses and it was real big and real like booming. That's what time. happens when you're a Stubbs A-list member. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I well, will say that. Any, you come any, to this place. Any <laughs> house, you get, it, you get in. Yeah. I will say this about the assault of that movie on my senses. However, during all the fight sequences and during all the action sequences, and this is why they are so good. I knew where everybody was in relation to each other and I knew I knew geographically what was happening. Yeah. And there are a lot of stunts in action movies where it's just sort of a free for all. Exactly. And you're you have to wait till they catch a breath for you to understand where everybody is. I have a I Transformers movie I have to see in the next yeah. couple of weeks and it's going to make me really appreciate the visual and narrative coherence of this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is this movie is edited impeccably right um and if you're gonna nominate a fast and furious movie for an academy award give it to these editors right now yeah yeah, yeah. all right so we're gonna do letters and then we're gonna dig and do ass spoiler and then we're out of here yes so letter from linda says anyone watching how to blow up a pipeline have we talked about that yet yeah we did that's okay. what she's on the last to. episode yeah might be interested in reading Edward Abbey's The Monkey Wrench Gang, a take on roughly the same subject from 1975. In some ways, it does not hold up at all, but in other ways, it is oddly timely <laughs> for a 50-year-old book. I'll check that out. Right. I haven't read How to Blow Up a Pipeline, though. Yeah. Um, but the movie's good. I need to see it. Yeah. Before we get to the second letter, quick reminder, everybody, that we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash linoleumknife. For as little as a dollar a month, you get extra content, including uh, Linoleum Knife Presents More Linoleum Knife, where we go deep into one movie. We recently did Can't Stop the Music. Uh, LKTV, a podcast on the television. Linoleum Knife and Fork, a food podcast hosted by two film critics. And Linoleum Nights, which uh, you got a little sample of here on our main feed, yeah. where we talk about just whatever we want to. and Anything uh, we want to talk about, yeah. that's what we do. And uh, we use swears and we we are live on Facebook. There's also monthly club meetings. There's all kinds of cool stuff. So patreon.com slash linoleum knife. The next letter is from GD Schmitz. Mm, GD. I have a long history with D&D. &D. Mm. This is regarding the D Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yes. That I still haven't seen. It's on Paramount Plus. Dating back to 1981. Oh. And that actually includes playing a session DM'd by E. Gary Guy. Guy? Oh, wow. That's the guy who developed the game. Okay. The mastermind behind the whole thing. Yeah. I agree that the Hollywoodization of the game on YouTube, thanks to the Critical Role, uh, thanks to Critical Role and Joe Manganiello, sets a new high bar for what new players might think they have to do. It was a simpler game in the 1980s. 
My own experience in a small Wisconsin town is that the kids who signed up for my Dungeons and Dragons club was about a half gender split, four girls, three boys. I didn't even know until I got to college that most players elsewhere were like 90% male. Anyway, those first high school modules and campaigns were the purest and most fun, mostly because we didn't know how we were supposed to play it. Right. But I get that things change, and it's great to see role-playing having a resurgence. Uh, if y'all do not follow the Mary Jo Peel show on Twitch, she recently did a thing where uh, she and her producer learned how to play. Oh, really? So if you're intimidated by all the, like, you know, very complicated role-playing games happening in the podcast world and YouTube and whatnot, here's a, here's a beginner you can follow. And now we're going to say goodbye. And uh, Let me do a quick plug do, for my do, other shows. Do the plugs for the yes. other shows. Uh, please yeah. check me out on Breakfast All Day on YouTube and on Podcatchers with Christy Lemire. Uh, Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network. Coming up very soon is our 300th episode wow. with some very special guests, which we're very excited about. Uh, and of course, I, I pop in once a week on uh, Deck the Hallmark to talk about, at the moment, 2022 Christmas movies from places that are not Hallmark or Lifetime. Um so, yeah, uh, you can follow us on the social media at Linoleum Cast. You can drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe in all the places. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will read it on the air. We actually have one, and we'll read it on our next episode. Yep. Um, and uh, thanks, Blue, of course, for our wonderful theme music. He's at blueblu.bandcamp.com. All right. So, as I said earlier... I'm about to say goodbye the way I always say goodbye mm -hmm. when we are saying goodbye at the end of an episode. However, <laughs> if you want to stick around and hear us talk about this one giant spoiler at the end of Fast X, please do stick around. I am now giving you a few moments to reach the volume or the on-off button and eliminate this podcast when you decide that you want to not hear what we're about to say. Okay. Three, two, one, goodbye. And we're back. Oh my God, Giselle's alive. <laughs> Giselle's alive. She's been alive this whole time. WT actual F. <laughs> She's the last thing you see, basically, in the movie. Before and the credits. Before the credits. There's also a credit sequence, which is another spoiler. We won't get into that. But that's not an interesting spoiler. Not particularly. That's just a like, oh, him. You know, like, yeah. it's fine. Why don't you just say what it is? It's The Rock. The Rock shows yeah, up. Yeah, The Rock shows up at the very end of the credits. Uh, anyway, um, Giselle is alive. And on a, she's in a submarine. <laughs> yes. In Antarctica. I don't know if she's been living in the submarine the whole time. I don't know what she's doing in this particular submarine. In Antarctica. In Antarctica. Where Letty would simply be happy to walk around in a tank top. But she is given a coat, and she wears it sort of begrudgingly. begrudgingly. Yeah. Um, no, she she gets out in the tank top. She's like, yikes, and then goes back and gets the coat. You can't control Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> but I hear you. You can only hope to contain her. <laughs> in a jacket. For, for once. The um, I would like to discuss this film's, this franchise's relationship with death. <laughs> And how it has no meaning. And therefore, it is very much like the Bible in many ways. 
or or comic where books where everyone resurrections are commonplace. Yeah. Um, Unless you are Bruce Wayne's parents or Uncle Ben, it is quite likely that if you die in the comics, you'll be back. Or because, you know, or like video games where people just respawn. I guess there's that also. <laughs> but I, I, I guess. But I I I. <laughs> As much as I enjoyed this film, I want to say that I'll never trust anyone again for the rest of my life. Well, Dave, you're... Not in cinema and not in life. And I thought that I could trust my beloved Fast and the Furious... You thought you could trust the people to over... Honor, to honor... The sacrifice. My, to honor my grief over Giselle's valiant operatic sacrifice yes. okay and 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 like she gave her life for han and what did that matter now it mattered nothing at all it mattered not one bit so you're telling me that you trusted the franchise that brought han back from the dead well that seemed a little more plausible and <laughs> and i guess not letty <laughs> Back from the dead. That all... Listen, I don't think Michelle Rodriguez in real life is killable. Well, nonetheless, we, part of the expression, <laughs> we've been down this road before. <laughs> this movie has already... This franchise has already brought back two beloved characters who were supposedly dead. And in this movie, they, they would like us to think that they have killed off another five of them. Right, 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 right. And I bet you dollars to donuts, <laughs> not a one of them. <laughs> Is it going to pop up in either the next one or the next next one? You Here's thought you could thing. trust Neil Moritz and the friends over there at original film. Meanwhile, an you actual real-life dead person oh, is, yes. is treated as though they are alive and conveniently never around. And now forgotten. And now, now they just don't the, talk. About, they a, just don't a, talk about him at all. He's we, watching the kids. Yeah, we went from we went from Paul Walker's character Brian, when Paul Walker he's, tragically died in real life, but the franchise decided he's not going to die here. He's just retired. He's out he's of the retired, game. Retired. He's out of the game. Right. He's staying home with the kids. And at the end of nine, shows up for a barbecue, but late. Yeah. His car pulls up. Right. right. Yes. Yep. So, but for a couple of movies, we sort of danced around it, where like you know his wife shows up played by Jordana Brewster, but Brian's at home with the kids. And then, yes, Brian's <laughs> car pulls up for the barbecue at the end of nine. We're still maintaining this thing that Brian is out there somewhere. Yeah. This movie, Brian who? And Jordana Brewster, Jordana, Jordana Brewster is out there just kicking ass. Yeah. And I'm like, don't you want some backup? Like, can we, I don't understand what's happening anymore. Yeah, that's, so, that is a baffling yeah. turn of it. I think it's, it's like they decided, you know what, this was... Maybe not the maybe not the way to handle this, and now we'll just pretend that it never happened. Yeah, uh, but I'll be back for the next one because I love Giselle and she's alive again. Yay! Yay! My feelings don't matter. You were Dave White was legit upset about this. Giselle <laughs> I wanted to, this is not a bit. He was haunted by haunted. her sacrifice. Yes. When she shows up at the end, I turned to you and I was like, "Who's that?" Is that Jordana Brewster? Yeah, no, I thought it was Jordana, Jordana Brewster. Brewster. I was like, how'd she get... I said, it's Giselle. And I was like, the model? <laughs> I'm so confused. I was so exhausted. 
There's one little thing that I kept thinking about too. At the beginning, there's the barbecue with Rita Moreno, and I could not stop looking at the French's mustard yeah. that was on the table. And I thought that the Fast and Furious gang would like get better mustard. At the... No, they drink Coronas. They Gary. keep it yeah. real. They keep it real. They keep it real. Gary. I feel like they didn't want something with seeds in it. They don't even want Goldens. Yeah, yeah. it no. just French's mustard French. seemed like an odd choice to me. Yeah. All right, no well. grape poupon for these. Oh, listen, for these I'm not a connoisseur of yeah. the series. These are not the cars they drive. No. Yeah. Uh, Gary Cotty, it's yes. always a pleasure. You can find me online at Kylie Minogue Wines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Without an H. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> loved having you on as we always do. And thank you for coming to the movies with us. We look forward to more Stubbs adventures with you. I'm an A-list, baby. Uh, and uh, everybody else, thank you as always for listening. We appreciate it. We're we back. Are, we're and, back, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna catch up. We're gonna give you too many podcasts. Yes, <laughs> get ready, gird your loins. Uh, have a great week, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Until then, for real this time. Goodbye.